0: Here at the church, melon madness. Uh, you can bring, bring any food. kind of melon that you would like to bring is fine. Uh, and then uh, we'll have a watermelon seed spitting contest. Uh, we'll have a watermelon eating contest, and if anybody else thinks of a fun game, we can do that too. Uh, water balloon? No, we'll save that for another another Wednesday. But uh, we'll have a good time there Wednesday night next month is our missions month and uh, looking forward, like I said, having two different missionary families with us uh, there. Of course, July the 3rd, we'll, we'll kick it off uh, here, uh, Sunday school morning service and then uh, we will not have an afternoon service or lunch that day, but uh, we'll meet up at the Smith's house that evening uh, at 5, 6 o'clock um, kind of as you'd like to come. Uh, again, we will send out information if you'd like uh, be able to help out, bring some sides and things like that Uh, And then if you'd like to help out with fireworks, just uh, hand a couple bucks to Tyler, and uh, he can take care of that as well. Bring a chair with you. They do have some chairs, but bring a chair uh, to sit in or a blanket to sit on or something like that as well. Uh, Then we're going to do two potlucks in July, and we're going to do that the two Sundays the missionaries are here. Um, And so you're aware of that. We'll get more information on that, but that'll be the second and the third Sunday of July, so the 10th and the 17th. Uh, so you're aware of that as well. Looking forward to having those with us. And then don't forget about the Tolsons, our missionaries of the week. And uh, I will, I need to tell myself, don't forget, because I need to email you all their contact information. But again, just reach out, let them know you're thinking about them, praying for them uh, as well. And I know it's been an encouragement so far. To the missionaries that we've done that with so uh, that's that is good. Cleaning Saturday at six o'clock in the morning. No, what time? Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock in the morning uh, cleaning for any of the ladies that want to come over and help out. Um, I tried to do enough to say I did something uh, on Friday, a little vacuuming, but uh, it's been a little while since we've had a cleaning day. So cleaning day, uh, ladies, if you can be here ten o'clock and help out with that. Uh, greatly appreciated there as well. Anything else? Anybody else? Alright, good. Psalm 119. You heard the uh, phrase, C's get degrees. It's true, by the way. Uh, but uh, today I'd like us to look at three C's in this uh, in this section of Psalm 119. And we can leave here more educated maybe, than when we walked in. Look in verse 145. I cried with my whole heart, Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, Save me, and I shall keep thy uh, testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Uh, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies I have known of old, that thou hast founded them forever. So I'd like us to look, like I said, at three C's today. Crying, calling, and confessing. And then we'll be on our way this afternoon. Lord, I pray for your help as we look into this section of Psalm 119. I've been so encouraged Uh, by this psalm uh, over the last several weeks. And I pray that today you would just help us as we look at these verses again, that we would be drawn close to you, Lord, that we learn more of you, and that we would leave here uh, with something that can help us moving forward in the days ahead, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, First C is crying, and we see this through really the first uh, three or so verses here in this section, in verse 145, we see the ferventness of this prayer. He said, I cried with my whole heart, Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. <coughs> Excuse me. He, uh, he here put his passion into prayer. He says, I cried with my whole heart. It, it is a an understanding of the sincerity behind the prayer that is being prayed. Um, he's not just thinking about other things. While he's praying, everything is centered and focused on this request. I cried with my whole heart, my entire heart, and he says, "Hear me." Uh, throughout, excuse me, throughout, <coughs> throughout the Psalm, uh, Psalm one nineteen, I have underlined the different spots throughout the Psalm where he has a request: something, me, hear me, save me, quicken me, deliver me. All throughout the Psalm, here, and it's amazing how many times he's asking for different things, but here. He's saying, I'm crying with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord. And he says, I will keep thy statutes. He continues to be steadfast on the fact that he is going to follow what God wants. Not only is it a fervent prayer, it's a frustrated prayer. In verse 146, he says, I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. This is a repeated prayer. We've seen it throughout Psalm 119 so far. And, and every time we come to it, it's, it's another time where Christ has yet to answer. And so frustrated here, not in a bad way, but frustrated with the sense that, that he's asking and it hasn't been answered yet. So what does he do? He keeps asking. The Bible teaches us the importance of continually asking God. Now the Bible also talks about vain repetitions, and this is not vain or empty repetitions. That's more of the, uh, the chants, the recited prayers, versus actually praying what's on your heart. And here he's calling to God and he's saying, he says there in verse 145, hear me now, he says in verse 146, save me. He said, I've cried unto thee, save me and I shall keep thy testimonies. And then he was very forward as well as he says there in verse 147 that he prevented the dawning of the morning. The idea is anticipated. It's one of those things where it's not coming fast enough. Uh, It's taking a little while. And so he's, he's anticipating that dawn of the morning, and then in verse one forty-eight, he talks about the evening as well, where he says, "I prevent the night watches that I might meditate in Thy Word." It is the the continual day and night meditation, thinking on, praying for uh, here the things of God. When everything seems to be going wrong, don't doubt God's words. And here the psalmist, his eyes, his his mind is always on God's word and God's promises. The reason why he says, I will keep thy statutes, the reason why he says, I shall keep thy testimonies, he says, I, because in verse 147, I hoped in thy word. In verse 148, he meditate, uh, that I might meditate in thy word. And it is a constant reminder to himself of what God has said, what God has done, therefore knowing what God will do. And it is a, it's a mindful understanding of his hope is in God's Word. Remember, Psalm 119 is about God's word. And so he says here, my hope is there. I'm praying and you haven't answered, but my hope is in your word because your word says you will hear and answer my prayer. And so that's where I continue to put my trust, my confidence, and therefore I will continue to obey you because my hope is not in myself. It is in what you have said and what you have promised and what you have proven already and so we see his cry. Verse uh, number two, we see a calling. And we see this prayer described in verse 149. He says, Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. Uh, we see that his prayer is based on God's love and nothing about himself. He says, Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. Not hear my voice because of my need. Not hear my voice because of my righteousness. Not hear my voice because of my worthiness. He says, hear my voice according to your loving kindness. It's based on on God's love. He's asking, um, uh, banking on God's love to answer him. And he's seeking here, he's seeking life. He says, quicken me, make me alive again, revive me according to thy judgment. Uh, again, if we look through the entire psalm, we see a, a sense of urgency. We see a sense of almost depression, a sense of just great trial and tribulation on the psalmist's life. And he's saying, God, I need to be revived. I need to be brought back to life. I need the the answer of this prayer so that I can get back to being uh, what I once was. Uh, quicken me according to thy judgment. Again, not according to what he is worthy of, but according to God's justice and His judgment uh, here. He, in his prayer, he also uh, describes his danger in verse 150. He says, They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. They were far from God, but close to Him. Uh, you ever had an enemy like that before? You're looking around, you're saying, man, that person is wicked. They are evil. But they're really close to you. David here looks around and he says, they, the, the enemies that I have, they are, uh, they are, they're wicked. They're drawing near to mischief, and they're far from thy law. They're far from God, but they're close to Him. That's the, that's the scariest kind of enemy. One that's far from God, but close to you. And here we see this danger being described for us to understand a little bit more about them. But not only is danger, we see his safety described in verse one fifty one He says, "Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. It brings me back to the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And you remember they leave uh, the Israelites, excuse me, and they leave the uh, Egypt and they go out into the wilderness and they come up to the Red Sea, and now they, they are in front of them is the Red Sea behind them is the wilderness, and Egypt. And next thing you know, a cloud of dust, and here come the Egyptians. Pharaoh changed his mind. Go and get the the children of Israel. So the the army comes rushing out into the wilderness, and God placed a pillar of uh, fire in between the children of Israel and the Egyptians. You see, the enemy was far from God. They were near to the children of Israel, but God protected them. And that's exactly what we're talking about here in Psalm 151, where he says, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. The enemy, they draw nigh after mischief. They're near also, uh, and they're far from thy law, but you, Lord, are still near. You're right here. You're always within reach. Now, remember the children of Israel, they looked and they said, Okay, we've got the Egyptian army right here. We've got the Red Sea right here, so we can either uh, go drown in the Red Sea uh, or be killed by the Egyptian army or go back to Egypt. Those are basically our three options. And, of course, God had different plans. Uh, And he split the Red Sea, and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. And then the army followed after them, and God closed the Red Sea on top of the army, demolishing the entire army. You see, the enemy is near, but God is near also. And God is here to protect. And that's where the safest place you can be is with God. And and the psalmist, in his danger that the enemy is near, and they're following after mischief, and they're far from from God's law, he also reminds himself that, God, you are near also. And he says, thy commandments are truth. And he goes back to what he's saying in verse 145, I will keep thy statutes. In verse 146, I'll keep thy testimonies. Uh, It's because the commandments of God are truth. And we've talked about it a lot, but if God says to do it, you do it. Why? Because that will be the best outcome. And you may not be able to see the outcome. I'm telling you, there's been so many times where, either in my own life or in friends of mine's life, where I've heard the story or seen live the story of God said to do something, and you thought, why? That doesn't make any sense. But if I do that, this, that means this. And you can't see where God's result is but you know what gate you're supposed to go through. His commandments are truth, and so you follow them. And here, the psalmist said, no matter what happens, I will keep God's word. I will follow God's word. The enemy is near, yes, but God is near also. And that is the safest place I can be, where God desires for me to be. God alone is His safety. And honestly, God alone is your and mind safety as well. There is safety in numbers, we think. Um, there is safer places than others. Uh, if you go back to elementary school and do the tornado drills and uh, whatever other drills you had, you, know, you learn about safe places and there's safe different things. The only place that you are truly safe is with God. And God can provide a safety that you can't find anywhere else. That leads us to the last verse in this section. We've seen crying and calling. Let's look to confessing. In verse number 152, it says, Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Forever takes us back a long ways. And then forever takes us forward a long ways as well. Here the psalmist very simply says, All the things of earth will fail, but God and His word will never fail. They're eternal. And so he says, concerning thy testimonies, concerning thy word, I have known it of old that thou hast founded them forever. They have been established. If you think about the truth that God's word is eternal, that it will never expire to understand that something, uh, the author of, of this book, and I don't mean to minimize the Bible, but the author of this book is eternal. He's all-knowing. Nothing takes Him by surprise. And He wrote and penned for us His Word so that we can read it and learn it, think on it and study it and ultimately obey it. An eternal author who writes uh, for us instructions that will last forever, I would say is probably a, a very safe place to go for instruction. If you go back and look at the books, and you know I'm not a, I don't like to, to read, so I've not done this, but if you go back and look at self-help books from the 80s, and then from the 90s, there's probably differences in how you're supposed to help yourself. If you go from the 90s to the 2000s, and you go a decade at a time, and just pull the self-help books from different decades, they probably say some different things, some different advice, things that we've learned. When I sold insurance, I was given a, a script, and I was told, follow this script, it works. And I said, but I don't talk like this. There are words in there that I don't use these words. This doesn't make any sense. I'm a phony if I'm doing this. I said, follow the script. It it works. It's 100% foolproof. Follow the script. So I did. I memorized it. Learned it. And about a year and a half in, they said, throw away the script. Start saying this. And I said, hold on a sec. Told me it's foolproof, 100% effective. Follow the script. I memorized it. I took time to memorize. It. I use stupid terminology that I don't use in my real life, and now you're saying throw it out. Yeah, it doesn't work. What do you mean it doesn't work? Things have changed. God's word doesn't change. You know why it doesn't change? It's because its author never changes. It's because its author is all knowing and knows uh, what was needed back in. Moses' day and he knows what is needed in my day and he knows what will be needed if, if he chooses to, to continue this earth and what my kids need and it's already in here. It doesn't have to be updated. It doesn't have to be changed. It doesn't have to be melded in with the times. It is eternal. And the psalmist here looks at it And he says, concerning thy testimonies, concerning the Bible, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. That's why I can keep his statutes. That's why I can keep his testimonies. That's why I can obey God's word because it will last forever. And it has exactly what I need in it for today and for tomorrow and for the next day and so on and so forth. One of the biggest reasons why Christians don't obey the Bible is because they don't claim it to be truth. If you ask them, they'd tell you it's true. But their life doesn't claim it. If you understand what the Bible is, if you can comprehend what the Bible is, you'd be reading it. It's important. It will take your life in the best possible direction. It will give you the best possible outcome. It will direct you. It will warn you. It will correct you. And so much more. Understand that God's word has been founded, established. Uh, It is set forever. It will not change. And it will not change because it does not need to change. And it will not change because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So take God's Word for what it is. Read it. Study it. Learn it. Apply it to your life and follow it. Even in the hardships, even in the downtimes, even in the trials, just follow God's Word. Have your hope there established in what is eternal. Follow it and I promise you will not regret it. Lord, I pray for your help, and I pray that you'd help us to be what we're supposed to be. I pray that you'd help us to love your word, desire your word, Lord, far more than we already do. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we see you faithful, Lord, our lives will be transformed, sanctified, uh, Lord, to what you desire for it to be, and that we would truly be uh, a people, an individual, a family, a church that you desire for us to be. So help us now this week. Guard us, protect us, provide for us, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, Uh, we'll be back Wednesday night at 7 for Melon Madness.